Hey everybody and welcome to the Darkcast. This is DCI number 58 and I'm your host Jonathan Miley. In this episode, Brian and I got to talk to Greg McKnight, who is the developer at Wonderfling, and they are currently working on, actually they've just finished working on, the Tyrion Saga KR-17. It's their first game. It is a retro-inspired, like, 16, 32-bit platformer game that uh, has a lot of roots in Commander Keen and Mega Man, and it looks really cool, but what looks even better is the trailer for it. You can find that in the show notes of this episode. It's it's amazing. I've watched it like 12 times. It's so good. Uh, anyway, if you want to find that, as well as links to the Steam page, Wonderfling's website, and the Twitter account, you can find that at darkstation.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at darkstation underscore com. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, we are the Darkcast. We are on iTunes. While you're there, give us a review and let us know what you think of the show. And finally, if you want to send us an email, you can do that at podcast at darkstation.com. As always, thank you for listening. Now on with the show. podcast tonight how are you doing doing wonderful good 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 so uh before we get kind of started on you know all manner of other things like sentient robots and and whatnot uh tell us a little bit about who you are and and what you do at wonderfling i am uh gregor mcknight i am the visionary director at wonderfling the vision ah oh, i like that i like that yeah, that means I tell other people what to do. Yeah. Yes. Um, but end up doing it all myself. So, no, I'm joking. We have a, a fantastic team uh, that works with us. Matthew Carmichael does the uh, graphics, and Daniel kind of does a little bit of everything also. But we're a small indie team, so who doesn't? We share the responsibilities equally between, equally between the three of us. Very um, cool. 33% all around. Excellent. That's right. <laughs> There's that math again. Yep. Um, no, so I, uh, basically Matt and I started this project, um, started KR-17 way back in 2004, actually. Uh, we were just babies and decided to pick it back up again just to see where it can go and are, um, very surprised about where it is right now. Wonderfling has kind of been like our dream and so following our dream has been super exciting. Very cool. Very cool. Now, before we started the interview, you mentioned that you were a programmer. So is that kind of uh, the more specific thing that you focus on in terms of making uh, Terry and Saga KR-17? I think that the the boring programming side has fallen more into my lap. <laughs> okay. Than, you know, the more exciting parts of the graphic design and the music development. So. so, I mean, is that just kind of, is that where your natural skills lie? Or are you just kind of picking up where there's slack? Kind of what, what puts you in that position? Pretty much picking up where there's slack. Um, we're all three uh, musicians. That's what we do. Okay. Uh, so my skills are really in music, uh, just like all of us in the company. So, um, you know, Matt, Matt is a very talented graphic designer. Daniel is really good at music and figuring things out. So that's, uh, there you have it. I'm doing programming. I, I did programming back 
like I mentioned, we started this back in 2004, mm-hmm. and um, just trying to actually make uh, a game back then, I kind of learned a little bit about programming. My father's also a, uh, has been a programmer most of his life since computers were existing. So, okay. So, what were the chances that uh, that KR17 started on like punch cards? Oh, um, <laughs> not quite that old. <laughs> okay. No, the. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure back in the day I would have made KR17 on punch cards. Now we started actually with uh, Game Maker Five, I believe, was when we started working on KR17. We started with that, and, okay. it, and it started with a uh, a teddy bear that was jumping and picking up apples, and that was how it started. And Matt said, "Hey, I can do graphics," so he drew us a little KR17, and uh, <laughs> there you have it. I like to imagine the conversation took place exactly that way. Like, oh, I can do graphics, it's fine. Yeah, that's how, that's how Matt talked when he was 13. <laughs> <laughs> we, we basically, the the design of it, because, well, of course, we had no idea how to animate. So basically, the design of, of KR was, well, let's put a box on wheels, because we don't have to animate that. So that's, uh, there you go, secrets. Secrets I probably shouldn't have shared. Has it, has it been the same since the beginning? Has that always been KR-17? <clears throat> it has, and uh, kind of fell in love with the design um, of him since then. So whenever we decided to do the remake, it w- there was no question. Like, yeah, the box on wheels. Awesome. So all three of you are mus- musicians, and uh, I feel like that really brings to light and makes sense why the announcement trailer for KR-17 is a rap song. <laughs> yes. Um, can you talk a little bit about that trailer? Because that was kind of amazing. <laughs> and horrifying, but mostly no kind amazing. of about it. No kind of about it. It was, it was horrifying for all parties involved, actually. <laughs> um, no, it was, you know, our uh, John Kaiser, who works with Digital Tribe, actually, um, we wrote the song, had another, uh, okay, uh, there's too much to talk about with this rap video. So we had one 90s kind of like promo video that we were shooting for, and then John told us, and he's like, y'all have to make a rap video, and we were like, absolutely. So got together with Daniel, and we threw around some ideas, and ended up making this uh, really terrible, super cheesy um, rap line. And then we're like, you know, if we put this up online, <laughs> like, there's no one doing this. So uh, <laughs> we some words, and I remember Dan- Daniel and I, I was at work, Daniel, he, he drives, um, mainly does deliveries right now for his job. So he's, like, driving around texting. Uh, don't tell the police I said that. But he uh, <laughs> was, like, texting lyrics back and forth to each other. We're kind of building the song as we went along. And, uh, yeah, went to his house, kind of went through his closet and pulled out everything, you know, that's dusty all the way in the back of the closet with your baby clothes. Uh, grabbed those and, and threw those on. And we're like, here we go. We're going to do this. The... The most fun thing about that video was trying to key out the way that we did the the green screen because our you know our super professional um, big time studio that we used was actually closed uh, that day so we had to do it in his bedroom and we decided <laughs> to hang a white sheet and point a green light at it and that was how we did the green screen. As ah, it ah, came out, okay. Um, as 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 we like to say, uh, it came out very very well. For, for a really terrible video. So, <laughs> Given the scope of what it sounds like your equipment was, that came out much better than expected. Yeah. 
We didn't know what to expect with that. But no, the whole, I mean, gosh, the whole project has been a blast to work on. Trying to trying to recreate um, some of the 90s stuff that's out. I know there's a lot of great games uh, that are coming out right now that are trying to, uh, not trying to, but they're doing an excellent job of recreating 90s or like old time, even 80s, like Atari graphics and stuff like that. Um, so that's, uh, you know, we wanted to go into that. I've had some background in marketing too. So I was really interested in, in looking at how they actually did the marketing back then and like what, what was going through their minds when they have no idea who to market to. You know, like who, who are you selling video games? No one knows. Like was it kids or was it, you know, like a, I mean, you never see this now, but, but back then it'd have like a, a boy and a girl, you know, playing an Atari and they're like fighting against each other with volleyball. And uh, it was like super exciting volleyball action, you know, coming out, <laughs> coming out of the television. I don't know. That was the making this rap, looking at all those things. It's like, well, there's a bunch of dancing in, in a video game video. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know how sure. dancing, how, how gamers are with their, oh, yeah. their hip moves and their moonwalks. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think the thing that sells uh, the trailer for me actually is at the very end, the, the way the voice, like just the sound of the, the narrator describing what you get to do in the game, just harkens back like just directly to how those trailers really were and that I was like wow this really could have been like from 1992 or something this is amazing yeah that uh my friend Ben does ridiculous voices all the time and uh I was like bro like he gotta do some crazy 90s announcer voice and uh, yeah I've yeah, I think it came out great. It's, it's definitely what ties it all together, makes it not like, oh, these two stupid guys made a rap video, but like, eh, I see what they were going for. Yep, yep, yep. All right, so uh, enough of the trailer, though. What about KR-17? What What is this game? Um, KR-17 follows the adventure of a military... I'm going to give you the sales pitch, you ready? Sure, yeah. Uh, KR-17 follows the adventure of a military drone that mysteriously gains sentience when activated. Uh, he's one of 100 drones sent to the Valiant military base to destroy the dozens of deadly drones released by a galactic terrorist. So basically, this is the modern adaptation of Short Circuit, is what I'm hearing you say. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. I'm good with that. All right, we're we're done. Great interview, guys. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah that's, got it. That, that is KR-17. Um, so following following that logic, which of your crew is the Goot? Um, is it Steve Gutenberg? I, star. Everybody says it's Johnny Five. It was not Johnny Five. Steve Gutenberg was the star of Short Circuit. Yeah, um, of our crew. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's gonna be Daniel. It's got to be the the Daniel, kind of the one who that that's his his uh, <laughs> trying to think of a nice way to put dramatic, but that's you know there you have it. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. All right. Yeah. Good. Good. Excellent on the spot answer. <laughs> so sales pitch aside, what uh, <laughs> what is KR seventeen? <laughs> Um, KR-17, we've, going into the designing, oh, back, back in the day, oh, here we go, rabbit trails. So, sure. um, yeah, go for it. back when I was a child, like, Commander Keen, of uh, my dad introduced me to, to gaming, like, way back, so, 
first game I ever played was Monuments to Mars. I don't know if y'all know that. This is DOS games way back in the day. Um, love Monuments to Mars, and then, like my dad showed me, the Pharaoh's Tomb, and uh, used to sit in church, don't tell my mom, but used to sit in church <laughs> with a notebook and draw uh, levels on, like, the lines <laughs> in the notebook for Monuments to Mars, and I would just sit there with a pen and, and try to play those levels. So then um, Car- uh, Commander Keen came out, and so got that, and, like, uh, I was homeschooled, so we are a super crafty family. And uh, used to craft stuffed animals of Commander Keen and uh, Cosmo from Cosmo's Cosmic Adventure, which is kind of an unknown RPG game. But we, um, that's what I used to play growing up. Those were like, I didn't have no, none of the Nintendos or the Sega Genesis's. I had a, you know, just, just this one DOS PC. So like, to me, those are my heroes growing up. I was like, oh, Commander Keen. And I tell all my friends, and they're like, oh, you played the new Mario? And I'm like, no, you played the new Commander Keen? They're like, who the hell is that? You know, so it's like, well, <laughs> you know, so I always, Commander Keen was always like the big, big thing in my mind. So whenever I got up to the age and Matt and I were talking about making this, I was about 15, and I'm like, oh, I want to make a Commander Keen game. So then I had to, you know, go introduce Matt to Commander Keen um, and show him, hey, this is why it's different than Mario is because of the, like, nonlinear level design. It's also like Duke Nukem. Um, all those great, great old games. Um, non-linear level design, as in you're not just trying to get from left to right. You know, it's it kind of feels a little bit more open world exploration, and also uh, not a time limit. So, well, Duke Nukem aside, <laughs> you can kind of just kind of spend your time trying to figure out. You know, when you're eight, you're going to jump around and, and try to figure your way through puzzles. You know, especially if you're terrible at video games like I am. Um, so that was what I wanted to go for with Care 17. So. KR-17 is an action platformer based on uh, level design. It's based a lot on my experiences growing up with Commander Keen and Duke Nukem and those kind of games. The uh, action aspect, because I don't know, love go around blowing stuff up. So uh, that's where that came in. The, the original, heck, I'm going to keep referring to the original one. Um, I wanted it to feel like you were actually controlling a military robot, so my design back then was to use up as much of the keyboard as possible. So we had um, all the weapons that we have now, only they were spread out all over the keyboard. So you were like having to hit Y to throw down a remote mine, and Q would uh, detonate it. And then it was like T was your uh, napalm grenade, and Shift was the proximity mine. You know, it was like all over the keyboard. You'd be typing, basically, to try to actually maneuver this robot um, until finally Matt talked to me in that that was ridiculous and uh, went back to a <laughs> normal control scheme. But that's why we, that's why you end up with all the different weapons that we have in the game, because it was fun you know, trying to, try to find different ways to, to combine the weapons or quicker ways to solve puzzles using those weapons without getting destroyed by falling on top of enemy heads. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> so, um, obviously, it's it's a level based platformer. Uh, you get weapons and stuff like that. Is it kind of like Mega Man in the sense that you're kind of switching back and forth between a lot of different powers? Kind of how do, how does all that work? Um, sort of. Uh, okay. It's definitely a, a lot of influence for Mega Man uh, with the blasting robots um the switching back and forth 
you're, it's really just kind of at a, a touch of a button. You can switch your weapons. It's not really uh, kind of as dramatized as Mega Man is when it comes to which you're using at the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you can tell Mega Man is a huge influence with that, um, with using those weapons. The uh, the way that the puzzles, we, we kind of went for the, the flow of the puzzles while you're doing the levels, um, trying to separate them out uh, through our level design. So that, that was largely based on uh, Mega Man, like the old Mega Man games, when you're running through it, and it would load the new, like the next screen, and you could see the puzzle in front of you, and you'd like jump through it, and then it would switch over and load the next screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, went, went through a lot of that with the game, uh, trying to set it up where you would see all the puzzles while you jump through it. Uh, so that was, that was also a huge, the, the, the flow or the momentum, is what I'm looking for, of the, the puzzle design or the platforming. Yeah, so that was that was a huge uh, Mega Man was a huge influence on that. So is it that kind of tile-based um, structure, kind of like <clears throat> Castlevania, Metroid, Mega Man, where you what you see on the screen is kind of all you have to work with at one time, and whether you go up, down, left, or right, that's kind of a new screen. Yeah, for sure. With with this, I'm a, a huge fan of the speedrun community, and I was noticing uh, practicing my own routes of it's easier when you when you can see it all at once and uh paying attention to what's coming onto the screen to know what you're going to do next so i really wanted to keep it keep it like that where once once you saw what came on you knew okay i mean unlike metroid there's no you know random medusa heads that are going to come flying at you and you know impossible to jump over patterns but there are there's a couple enemies that we threw in that kind of throw off the throw off the rhythm, you got to be on top of it to see them, but mainly it's, it's what's in, yeah, like you said, what's in front of you, you're going to see it when it comes on the screen, you'll be able to know what to do. Very cool. I'm a fan of, as people are starting to find out, really kind of dumb fiction, and, and real interesting ways to, to bring fictionalized concepts together. How does KR-17 make friends with a missile, and how lasting is that friendship when the missile's meant to explode? Jim and KR have a very special relationship. Okay. <laughs> no, it, uh, in, in all of the 100 KR drones, they each have, and this will come into play uh, in the game, but they each have their own onboard uh, computer, which is put into a missile. Um, the relationship between the two of them comes when Jim realizes that KR-17 has gained sentience. And, uh, you know, and now it's kind of more of a team like, well, uh, I don't know, no spoilers, but at the beginning of the game... KR-17 becomes separated uh, from his crew and uh, from his squad. And now it's kind of up to KR and Jim to try to figure out, like, well, where are we? And where do we go? And uh, so that's that. Now, after Jim being a missile, um, there's a magic spark after Jim dies that comes back to KR. That's, that, that's, there's your explanation. <laughs> okay, alright, okay. alright. Now, does Jim stand for something, or is it just Jim? Um, well, Jim does. Uh, yeah, the whole basic concept of KR-17 and the storyline, I can say this, um, actually came from Pinocchio. Um, so Jim is his conscience, right? And, oh, okay. okay. Oh, so Jiminy, okay. All right, go. I got it. Yeah. It is a. It is part of the cricket missile line. Okay. There you go. Done. I, I'm, 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 see, I'm rolling with that now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
I like it. Yeah, there's there's other re- references throughout there that you can find when you play it to cool. figure out who's who. So is um, is Jim like a whole other character that you play as, or just one of the weapons that KR-17 has at his disposal? Right now, Jim, we, we like to... We want, like to design it to where Jim is played as another character. Uh, kind of like if Sonic and Tails were to run together, and Tails is able to keep up with Sonic, and then, oh, I need to fly somewhere, or Tails can take me there, that kind of a situation. Okay. That's really what we wanted with KR and Jim, was, uh, yeah, two two separate players. That's why, you know, when you're controlling Jim, you can fly him around and explore, or explore with KR-17. So can two people play at the same time, like with Sonic and Tails? Uh, one Not person yet. controls. Is that a plan, maybe? A hope? A dream? That is that is definitely planned, uh, okay. whether for this game or one of the expansions. Okay, cool. So, wh- one of the kind of big things about a lot of games that have this retro inspiration about them is they like to be really, really difficult, like old games were. How difficult... Seeing that rap video... Yeah. This doesn't look like a very easy game with a lot of moving platforms and things building up underneath KR-17 as he's uh, he's rolling his happy butt around. What what kind of spikes are we looking at here? Well, <clears throat> um, everything I say is going to be negated because we just got a review back that said that the game was too easy. Uh, but oh, okay. <laughs> we we have um, the the difficulty spike. Okay, well. Originally, we had the uh, the three levels of difficulty, easy, medium, and hard. The, the level events that happen, the amount of health that you have, um, all of those things change on the difficulty that you have it set at. So if you have it set on easy, then, it, then everything's going to move at an easier pace than when it's hard, which is even difficult for us. <laughs> um, the, uh, on the easy difficulty... <laughs> Is uh, is going to be easy. We had it set. Uh, the name or the description of it um, originally was a date, and we were like, "Well, if you're born between <laughs> these years, you know, then you'll play, you know, this certain difficulty until we decide that that may not be good." Because actually, at the at a RTX that we just came back from had a booth set up. We had a 13 year old beat the game in like nine minutes, or beat the beat the demo in like nine minutes on hard. Which there was only two people that beat the game on hard, so we were like, well, you know, that goes to show. That. Clearly, he's a prodigy and would have showed up at the Nintendo Grand Championships. Um, who was the other person? Yeah, the oh, the other person was a you know, it was one one older guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> someone, someone who knew what they were doing, and uh, both times, I mean, the the, the, so kid, the kid got like, lucky. Oh. <laughs> the kid was like, oh, this, you know, this is a lot of fun, and we're we're just sitting there, kind of like, oh my gosh, you're the first person. <laughs> one of the first people to beat it on hard so we were just flabbergasted and uh, it's funny if you're like really good people will come down and they'll be like I'll take it safe and play it on medium and they just kind of blow right through it and they kind of set the controller down they're like huh you know so if it's (laughs) if you're really good at games then I feel like hard is a uh, is going to be a very challenging mode um, if if you're good with them so we we that's, that's what we're going for. You're asking with, with like older 8-bit games and their difficulty. Uh, with KR-17, we wanted it to be, because we have um, a lot of different zones, we wanted you to be able to complete the game. 
uh, we wanted everyone to be able to complete it because at, at completion there are more uh, things that you can shoot for, uh, different reasons to, to retry it. So we wanted you to be able to complete it, that way you could go back. Uh, like the, the leaderboards are set up for times of how fast you can actually complete uh, from the beginning of the game to the end is all one time. The timer adds up that entire time and it shows on the leaderboards who has the best time uh, as you go throughout it. Um, so we wanted you to be able to complete it. So we didn't want the difficulty at first, uh, you know, to be too difficult uh, that the majority of people couldn't get through it. Like, you know, wonderful gamers like myself who can't get past, you know, a lot of different stages, <laughs> uh, maybe like the fifth stage into a lot of those different games. And, you know, even though they're wonderful and I love playing the first five games over and over again, or the, the first five <laughs> stages over and over, you know, I kind of, I'm like, well. Eventually it'd be nice to get past that. Yeah. Yeah, yep. I got you. Yeah, so, but there are there are definitely wonderful wonderful gamers out there and wonderful games that were made and and Daniel, um, Daniel is like a completionist and he plays those difficult games so he's done a lot of the level design um, on hard to make that that uh, difficulty spike happy for him and the people that are like him. I prefer to play on medium, and Matt is a great gamer. He plays on easy. So <coughs> that's excellent. That's fantastic. Uh, just adding, so you, you said you recently got a review that said that it was way too easy. Um, was your initial reaction simply to ratchet everything up and go, now play it, you, and insert, you know, yeah. preferred profanity here? <laughs> no, I've, I was really surprised that he's the first person to say that. Um, so uh, so is that, that's kind of like an outlier. It's not a, okay, we need to change it, drop everything immediately and change it. It's like, wow, what? What? <laughs> No, the the amount of time that he said it took him is right at the amount. Well, it, it took him it took him five hours to, to beat it, and five hours is like right where we're shooting for, like five to seven hours worth of gameplay. Oh, okay. And so when he said that, it was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. You beat it in five hours. Like if it was too easy, you were right. On, like he was right hours. on target for where you guys were aiming anyway. So yeah, it's too easy. Is kind of like okay, this is exactly kind of where we want to be. You know, it's it's been a really difficult trying to balance out where to put the checkpoints. Um, you know, growing up with <laughs> SNES and Sega Genesis, like, there, there's no way, there's no save points, right? So, like, a lot of time when I was a kid, I really enjoyed the first stage of Incredible Crash Dummies for Sega Genesis. That was my uh, favorite game before I, I discovered Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> but, you know, yep. the first the first stage of, of Incredible Crash Dummies, I probably played, you know, 50 times. Um, I don't know what the second stage looked like. But I definitely know I can play that first stage up until the boss, and uh, you know I got it set. So it's in in my mind that would be an, an unreasonable difficulty. Still, um, you know, since I since I own that game, I actually got the ROM on an emulator and uh, was able to play through it using save using the save state feature. And I realized when using save states that it became uh, very difficult to uh, even to beat the game with save states. <laughs> I'm not a fantastic gamer. So I was like, when? I, I can't imagine even today playing through one of these games I played when I was a kid without using save states. Uh, because, you know, you get three lives, and I use all three of them up instantly. So I would I would sprinkle some, some uh, checkpoints around. Checkpoints, I try to put in places that I would have hit a save state in. It's so like, oh, I'm right between puzzles. I gotta save it real fast before I try this because I'm about to, to die. So that's where I would throw those checkpoints in. And just like save states, it's it's pretty easy to screw yourself over <laughs> depending on when you save it. You know, like I don't know. 
Have you ever used a game where, with a quick save where you're about to jump into a pit and you accidentally hit the quick save instead of the quick load? It was like, well, there we have it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, let's back it up then. <laughs> you go flipping through and you're like, well, I noticed that, you know, slot five, I had one that's about eight levels ago. Yeah. The, Fantastic. The I'll get to those eight levels again. But that's been, know, that's been I, I passed it once, I can pass it again. Yeah. <laughs> that's been one of the most challenging parts uh, was how do we make it not too easy with the checkpoints to where, um, you know, like, there's, uh, I'm just going to say a big one, um, a challenging game like Super Meat Boy. Like, it's, it's real quick to go back to where you were to try it again real fast. And we didn't want to be like that, because our game is not that difficult. So it didn't need to be that many save places for you to just uh, save at. So that's what the, the real challenge has been, kind of balancing that. Oh, absolutely, because had, had Super Meat Boy not been longer as far as, like, stage length-wise, at that point, that pushes just the ability of somebody to simply put up with it. Because it yeah. was that, you know, that, that the quickness of kind of getting back into it once you've died and once you've seen where you've gone wrong, that if that wasn't there, that whole game falls apart. Hmm. Yeah, we also wanted KR to, to have a death frame. And, uh, some just, people just have mentioned point. that the, maybe the death frame takes too long, and we're like, no! If KR-17 hits electricity, like, of course he's gonna be sad and explode. <laughs> <laughs> not, just gonna, not just gonna disappear and reappear back at the, right before the puzzle. Again. He's sad first? Like, is he's visibly sad and then dies? That's that's horrifying. He's electrocuted for long enough to know that he's being electrocuted. That is yeah. fantastic. <laughs> yeah. That makes you never want to like and, and, and long enough to know that True. oh the proper emotion to have right now is sadness. It's sadness exactly yeah. to be able to work Actually. through it in his mind as as electricity is pouring through his body. <laughs> this game the, the rating on this game is suddenly shooting through the roof. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're gonna like care. Seventeen is gonna be for mature audiences only because of sadness. Because of sad robots. Yep. He gains sentience to know that he's sad when he dies. Yep. <laughs> and that he's naked. And then it's all downhill from there. So, <laughs> since the uh, you know the the levels obviously aren't as small or kind of um, fast paced as something like Super Meat Boy, how big is uh, a given level? Uh, big. Um, big. Okay, that's good. Cool. Big. Yeah. Okay, that's an answer. <laughs> big. Yeah. Uh, but, no, the. Uh, there's the zones is what I would say are big some levels uh, take a longer time to navigate uh, some levels are, are really short but they have a really complicated puzzle to get through so I would say that the stages is what we shot for being long uh, like stages like in, you start in the forest then you go to the caves um, the whole forest and the whole caves are long but each of the each of the levels in there aren't very long at all Okay. Or they could be very long, depending on how good you are. <laughs> <laughs> now, you mentioned that, uh, you know, you didn't want it to be a linear like, um, you know, Super Mario. You wanted it to be far more uh, <clears throat> kind of large and exploratory uh, like Commander Keen. Are there multiple paths through the, the levels and multiple um, kind of exits? Or is is there kind of one way that everyone's going to sort of go this one general way, but there's kind of, you know, shortcuts here or long ways here that have extra goodies or, or whatnot. Kind of, how does all that 
work? Yeah, with Commander Keen, there are a lot of little hidden walls, and you can jump inside of them and collect goodies that way. So definitely a lot of those strung throughout the game, because that was always super rewarding for me to accidentally jump into a wall and be like, oh my god, I can go in here. The other thing is we've hidden jetpacks throughout a lot of the levels, where it'll take extra exploration or possibly jumping off a cliff a couple of times to try to figure out, oh my gosh, there is actually something down here that I should be solving a puzzle to try to get to. And that's a community thing, too, that we liked, was being able to share with other people how to do the puzzle to get there, to get that jetpack. And with the jetpack, you can explore other areas of the entire level. Since one of the main aspects for me was speedrunning, there's also a lot of shortcuts, a lot of ways to skip puzzles, and that's definitely something that I would love people to exploit. Run through the game, enjoy it, but if you're really trying to get through it fast, try different ways. There may or may not have been some put in the way that you're trying to go. But the jetpacks, the puzzles, and the secret areas that we've added in are actually where you find your upgrades for your weapons, is finding these puzzles and being able to get to areas that maybe you weren't able to get to with jetpacks, or without a jetpack. So how does that upgrade system work? Are you just finding parts that you add, or is each upgrade kind of a specific type of upgrade to a specific weapon? It's for each of these specific weapons, yes. You'll find that upgrade in that area, and the upgrade to your grenade actually makes it into more of a napalm grenade where it shoots fire out all over the place, and enemies run into them and burn to death. Very cool. Fire's good. Especially with robots that are hostile. You need to burn them. Yes, and robots that are able to be burned by napalm. Yeah, that's right. That's strong stuff, though. That'll build through stuff. We're good. Absolutely. So, in kind of reading about the game, I came across one of the factions that you're fighting is called the Glortac People's Resistance. That's right. That... It's a great name. Sounds so 80s-90s-ish. Like, that... That's a... How did you come up with that word? Glortac. Like, that sounds like something out of a sci-fi movie from that era. It's amazing. Yeah, my friend Aaron, which was one of the story developers on KR-17, he... The original story... Well, first, another rabbit trail. Here we go. KR-17 is actually a part of... It's a four-part series. The Tarion Saga spreads across four different games. The next game in the series is called Orion, and it actually picks up where KR-17 leaves off. The whole kind of conflict of KR-17 is the Tarions and the Serenians are in their sister solar systems. And the Valiant military base where KR-17 is is shared between the two of them. It's a planet. It goes into figure eight because of physics. And shared between the two solar systems. The Serenian system, Serenus, is actually in a conflict with terrorist nomads that have spread out all throughout their planets in the entire solar system. Those terrorists are called the GPR. And I asked Aaron, and I said, well, we've come up with this, you know, the GPR. What does GPR stand for? And he's like, Glortech People's Resistance. 
I was like, Duh. Oh, real? like, what is that? He's like, oh, I just came up with it. And I'm like, that's awesome. So there you have it. Aaron, he's a, it, but, but to be fair, he is a huge fan of those, of, uh, you know, old, old sci-fi 80s. We watch those movies all the time. So coming up with that, yeah, that's probably where he got his influence. Is a, got that name from uh, combining some of those together, <laughs> making Glortac. Fantastic. Well, you mentioned um, earlier in the interview uh, kind of other expansions to the story. Are you wanting to expand the KR-17 story specifically, or once you once you have KR-17 out the door, uh, are your sights kind of set on other stories in the, the Tarian saga? No, the KR-17 adventure will continue all the way throughout the saga. Okay. So you will... You will be definitely seeing a lot of the characters uh, as they're introduced throughout the whole saga. Okay, very cool. Very Which cool. is something we're uh, obviously super excited about. Yeah. <laughs> it's been, I mean, working on Care 17 uh, has really just been like a daydream. Um, we just kind of figure out what we want to throw in there and be like, oh, he can do this, or he can follow this female robot around and fall in love with her. And like that, because he has sentience, but she doesn't know it because she doesn't have sentience. So like... <laughs> um, throwing those kind of ideas into it and just like, hey, that's really awesome. So working on Chaos 17 has been really great. Now we're like way super excited to continue on that story into our next one. And just watching what, over the over the time, watching what Chaos 17 has formed into and the character that he has kind of taken on himself through us playing the game and watching the cutscenes, uh, you know, that we put in and be like, I actually think Chaos 17 would say this, you know, or I feel like he's saying this to us, right? Now <laughs> that we throw those throw those clips in there so now it's like we have um we've been doing a lot of conventions so we have some uh, homeschool-esque uh, kr17 paper foldables uh, that we have on our website um printed those off so we have those sitting all around us right now and uh kr17 cardboard cutouts are hanging on the walls so we're surrounded by him and uh definitely want to see where he goes and and his you know in this in this saga um, and the whole fight against the Serenus system and the Glortech people's resistance and how a little blue robot can play such a big role in the fate of the galaxy. <laughs> Brand awesome. magnets. That's awesome. I like that you're represented by this this little sentient robot who has a friend named Jim. That's it's a, it's a nice. It's a, who's a guided missile? And if you need it was a guided a, missile. Yeah, exactly. Who, who's, who's true? True nature is that of a spark, which is actually his conscience. I, I'm driven by this. This is good. You know, if you watch the rap again, you're gonna see, and it's like, if you need his help, just give a little whistle, and you're gonna be like, oh my god, mind oh. blown! <laughs> totally pieces it all together. <laughs> yeah. There's the, the hidden subtext to the rap. I think that's. I'm going to have to watch it again it once we're deeper. done with this interview. It's, I'm, I'm excited. It gets deeper. That's fantastic. Well, Brian, do you have anything that you no, add I, I think we're, the No, I think we're good to, uh, to jump into the end game. Right. Uh, our final questionnaire, uh, which was inspired kind of by the uh, Inside the Active Studio... Active. The Active Inside studio. the Active Actor Studio. Um, and the questionnaire that, uh, that James Lipton ends with. Uh, except ours is more game focused, uh, more about you, and uh, it goes to some pretty crazy places. So, uh, strap on your your, your KR seventeen thinking cap, and uh, and let's go. Do I need Do I need to get in like a philosophical, like serious 
mood for this. Okay. Eventually, uh, yes. Towards the end, yes. yes. And the <laughs> beginning, not yet. But you know, uh, we'll we'll ramp up. But but okay. use these early questions to get into that mindset. Yeah, I it's, will. It's do a that. process. Yes. Uh, first question: um, Who is your favorite video game protagonist? Oh, these questions are going to get hard. Yes. Nope. Yeah, because that's the easiest one by far. I <laughs> know. <laughs> Um, ooh, um, really, the first one that keeps coming to mind is is the the turtle from Jazz Jackrabbit, and I can't remember his name. Um, oh, well, okay, I will say the monster at the end is Ski Free. Mm. That, <laughs> it's not really a protagonist though, because he kind of eats you. Well, but you know, he kind of shows you the philosophical. The, he eats you down because um, he's evil, but because he's trying to share share a lesson with you. Yes, he's trying to eat skiers. <laughs> no, the uh, um, let's pretend I didn't just get antagonist and protagonist confused, and let me re-answer that question. No problem. No, I think <laughs> start this again. Uh, who's your favorite Billy Blaze Billy Blaze from, uh, <laughs> Billy Blaze from Commander Keen, hands down. Okay. okay. So flipping the coin, who's your favorite antagonist? Oh, you know what that one's going to be is the uh, um, turtle from Jazz Jackrabbit, although I don't remember his name right now. You don't say. <laughs> um, what about the, the Sasquatch guy from Ski Free? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good, too. Yeah, <laughs> I, I will say the uh, one of my fa- the well, to me, one of the best designed and kind of mysterious is uh, from Rocket Knight Adventures, and there you go, I don't know what his name is either. But the uh, the antagonist in that because he's so mysterious. You know, he steals your girlfriend. He has all these things, and at the end, you have like this boxing battle between robots. And uh, like, who is he? I'm beating him up, and he has my girlfriend or wife. Good choices. Good choices question, indeed. Question number three: um, What's your least favorite um, theme or trope in video games today? What would you like to kind of see go away? This is a dangerous question. Um, I quick time events. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, then can I have can I have a second one? Can I have a bonus? Yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, I, I see a lot of really talented programmers and really talented pixel artists. Um, kind of put out a game based on um, I guess not really putting out a game that the gameplay is based more on hey it's it's a, a 8-bit game more than oh hey this is the gameplay or this is the you know what, what we've put into it and the all of our ideas uh, that we wanted to get out I feel like there's so many that they don't and that's something that I feel like is kind of flooding the market right now is kind of more of a you know, hey, let's get let's get this this game out. Um, oh, we need graphics. It's like, okay, well, grab some pixels, and we'll we'll throw them in. So there's, like I said, there's a lot of really great great gameplay and a lot of really great pixel artists, and I wish that the two would would come together. Fair enough. That's a that's an excellent bonus trope. I like that. Um, question number four, and naturally we ask this of everybody. Um, what game do you wish you held a speedrunning record for? Rocket Knight Adventures. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> um, is, you know, is there currently a, a speed running? I mean, there's a community for everything. So, what's you, do you have any idea what the time is for Rocket Knight? I actually don't. Um, I'm kind of scared to look. <laughs> but that's I, I would love I'd love to have that one. Okay. Uh, next question. Um, you guys are living uh, the dreamiest of dreams. Um, you were musicians uh, that became game makers, um, and now you're making a game about a robot. Um, if you could live a different dream, um, is there anything else you'd like to try? Oh, God, no. Um, but <laughs> living an additional dream? Sure. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, I've, I love uh, film. I would love to get more into film developing, which I'm definitely going to do uh, in the future. But um, that, that's one that I would love. Matt, obviously, would love to do music uh, with his. I think Daniel has a bunch also. I know his is music going into his also. So I guess, yeah, mainly our dreams combined would be music going forward, or music videos. But that, that would be... And, and we definitely have plans to do that uh, you know, wonderfling. We're we like to see ourselves as storytellers rather than game developers. Uh, so right now, the story that we're telling is this Tarian saga is spread out over a video game. Uh, but there's, you know, other dreams, other stories that we'd like. So to you're tell not you're not held back to simply a medium. It's it, it's over everything. Yeah, for sure. I like that. I like that. All right, penultimate question. Um, have you seen? Uh, what's it called? Um, uh, Escape from L.A. Snake Plissken, uh, John Carpenter film. <laughs> I haven't. I'm okay. pretty sure that Matt has. Well, good. Well, well, you know, he will get this then. Um, uh, Snake Plissken, uh, at the end of that movie, comes into um, a, a doomsday-ish weapon, uh, a series of satellites that are circling the globe, in which he all he has to do is type in a code, and he sends us all back through an EMP shockwave um, th- to the Stone Age. Uh, <laughs> you receive a note that says that is happening tomorrow. What game do you spend tonight playing? Rollercoaster Tycoon, the first one. That was amazingly fast. That was. Okay. Is there, has there ever been a better game? I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I'm more amazed at just the, how sure you are of that. Most people are <laughs> like, uh, I, I, oh, wow. Sorry, and there's know, just a silence, so, so that's going. that's amazing. You want me to. No, that's no, that's, that's fantastic. Great. I love it. That is that is a self confidence that that is rarely seen. That is <laughs> that's great. You know, roller, roller coaster tycoon. I don't want to go on a spiel about it, but it's definitely taught me everything I know about being a grown up. Back when I was a kid, when I played it and had investing and you know pleasing. You need bathrooms to do things, you know. And yeah, you need bathrooms and information. You make soda too expensive, nobody drinks, and then everybody throws up, and then it's all... You're spending all your money on janitorial services. Yeah, yeah that's exactly it. You hire policemen to make up for the people that get angry. And... Right? Because screw them, you just built an awesome roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. And so then you build a roller coaster that dumps them into the water, and you really should, yeah. I think, you're like, ha! in my lamppost. Throw up now! Yeah. Water. <laughs> I never did that. That's awful. No, yeah, who would do that? That's that's the kind of thing that like a person who would lock a sim up in a room with no doors. That's true. Who does that? Nobody does that. Blast people off to the moon inside of a roller coaster with no end. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, no. Hmm. I saw that once on a on what was it? Tiny Toon Adventures. 
You like saw how, that? I to heck. Yeah. How, how I spent my summer vacation? Yeah, there yeah. you go. That was, that's a great movie. With that, that Jason dude hanging out in the back seat. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Remember that. Okay. Yeah. Good times. Okay. Anyway. Uh, going forward, last question. Serious philosophical question. All right. At the end of our lives, when we come to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom, and Toad is there with the Book of Our Deeds, what does he say to you before you go inside? <laughs> the princess is in another castle. Oh! That's uh, stabbed in the heart every time I hear that. I've heard that a lot. <laughs> um, what would he say to me? Or what do you want him to say to you? Not um, necessarily what he will I say. I want to him you. to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Um, <laughs> servant of Toad. That's a that was a ridiculous creepy. answer, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, Gates in the Mushroom Kingdom with Toad. What, is, what do I want him to say to me? Man, you dropped the hard one right at the end. Right at the top. We told you it was coming. Okay. Um. Uh, I, I can't. I can't get over the princesses in another castle. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> right. not a lot of people. It's kind of more like a. It kind of. You can. Up. You can do it. Keep going. Pat on the back. Sorry. So, okay, so it leads into a second chance. Okay. There you go. I, there you go. I, I like that. Yeah, I have I a like second that. chance. This is only life number one. Here's a green mushroom. Enjoy. Yeah. That's a great man. Now I'm going to hang that up on my wall. That's exactly a really good motivational poster. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your green mushroom next. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We've solved, uh, you know, Hindu's... Uh, and he's famous, uh, I don't know if the words escaping me now, but whatever, that's the afterlife for you. Congratulations! You've done it. <laughs> you've done it. You've passed. The green you've, mushroom. Uh, I should think of that. Yeah, the green mushroom. You've done it. This is your second chance now. Go enjoy life. You've answered the questions, passed the test. Thank you very much. Now, what does he say to me next time I go back up there? I have, I have no idea. That is yet to be decided. You still gotta uh, live you, that life. Yeah, you haven't lived that life yet, so. Yeah. Who's to say? We'll find out then, though. Thank you so much for sitting down and talking to us about Terry and Saga KR17. If you could send us out by letting our listeners know where they can go to find out more about your game. Uh, yeah, go to wonderfling.com. Uh, that will link you to all the websites. Uh, that, that will show you what you need to know. And uh, it's been an absolute blast talking with you guys. You as well. You as well, sir. Sure.